Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the podcast that would never cross your mother's picket line. Today we have Zoe, Laura, and Cullen. And we're going to be talking about a book for kids called Why is Mom Striking? Which tells stories of struggle and solidarity based on interviews with union families. So we have the author and illustrator with us today. Welcome, Lex. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) Yeah, we're so happy to have you. Yeah, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. um, So, yeah, my name is Lex. I use they, them pronouns. Um, I've been working on Why Is Mom Striking for the past year or so now, but I've done labor organizing for the past um, four years, basically since I started my undergrad. Um, I've done a lot of work with the local uh, um, labor movement in Western Massachusetts and, like, throughout, like, the Northeast. Um, And this project just kind of came out of my participation in last year's stop and shop strikes um it was like a huge moment for private sector unionism um and it was a huge moment not only for like the local labor movement but like the broader strike wave that was happening across the united states and i was talking to families on the ground thinking about ways that we could document it and also create like political educational literature for children um that talked about like some of the things that were happening like with organized labor in the United States. Um, and this was the product. Um, so I, the, the, um, the text itself or the narrative, they're like short stories uh, based on each interview with each family. Mm. Um, and they're not my, they're not my, well, they're my like, there's like a level of my editorializing, but and piecing together, but mostly just for storyboarding. But these are all conversations and based on conversations, particularly with younger kids and their parents. And they're all like from union families. So their parents will like talk about like their trade union local that they're in. And then we would, um, I would facilitate conversations with their families, particularly their younger kids um, about their labor activism overall. And like what like, what they thought like um participating in like the labor labor movement meant to them Mm. and their experiences on the picket lines um that's awesome and yeah wise mom striking has two stories and it was supposed to be part of like a series that i'm like i've been working on um yeah since since the stop and shop strikes and obviously a lot has happened like and a, a lot of momentum is happening right now given like the current like political and economic situation globally Um, that, like, is giving people, like, well, now we're, like, presented with, like, a political rupture Mm. that, like, workers can seize um, to organize the workplace, like, to, like, um, unionize their shop. Um, And I feel like this sort of literature is really important because the existing, like, children's literature that engages, like, children as, like, historical actors in the labor movement is really minimal, Mm-hmm. um yeah yeah can so you, that's just like the basis yeah absolutely um for folks that don't know can you describe the specific set of striking that you are talking about the right. shop? yeah 
Yeah, so um, the Stop and Shop strike last year was an authorized strike from uh, United Food and Commercial Workers that it was the union representing Stop and Shop employees in the Northeast. Um, a lot of strikes that have happened in the last couple of decades have been authorized strikes. But what is like critical about this like histor- historical moment is that we've seen a surge of what we can call wildcat strikes where they're unauthorized by the union. It's often from like a like a fomentation of like a rank and file base within like a union to like go on strike or um, um, start a work stoppage. Um, and the stop and shop strike was like an authorized strike that last year, but it was like it constituted like 30,000 30, workers mm-hmm. and a lot of um, solidarity, like unionism in the Northeast. So a lot of other trade union locals like stopped like the supply, like the supply chain, like and like uh, intervene at critical critical distribution points, turning like distributors and like produce trucks away in order to support folks on the picket line um, and support stop and shop employees that were trying to uh, negotiate their contract in good faith with the company. Mm. Um, Yeah. That sounds, I mean, that's great. As somebody that was following the stop and shop Mm -hmm. strikes when they were happening, it's really cool to hear you talk about it. um, Having Mm -hmm. been like on the front lines, um, I'm not in an area with stop and shops. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, it's really cool to, to hear more about how this all played out. Um, how, how do you approach teaching kids about labor issues? Is it different yeah. than adults? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of like, um, one of my favorite like things to come out of this project was I wanted to center children's like narratives as much as possible because what better way to teach kids about labor activism like than with their own experiences on the picket line like in like in their like crucial like social development right so like I found when I was having conversations like with Alex like and Leisha in the first story and like in this first edition of the book um, like Alex had a sense of like economic justice at like the age of five like he like he had been by his mom's like side like at political rallies like in organizing meetings like at direct actions and at like the stop and shop strikes themselves um and he had like a very like very articulate analysis of like what economic justice was just purely on the basis of like um um, seeing work happening around him and seeing workers and his families engage in like labor struggle. Um, so yeah, like, um, the way that I like conducted interviews is we did like arts facilitation exercises. Um, so like we had, um, like plenty of like sketchbooks and like crafting activities available. And I would ask a question about, or I would ask Alex a question, like, have you like, what, like, what rallies have you gone to with your mom? Um, like, have you organized? Like, like, do you feel like you're an organizer? Like, what do you do at like organizing meetings? Like, um, and then like we would do drawing activities, um, and then Alex would like describe like what like his like what he was like what he was drawing, um, and then like talk about his experiences. Um, yeah, and I think like one of like 
um, my favorite moments with him in particular is like, we were talking about, he like made two drawings. One was like, one was like a classroom. Um, and it was a, a, a um, like a school administrator arguing with the teacher while like all, like all the kids were at like their desks. And um, the teacher said like, oh, like you get all the money, that's not fair. Like, like, I, like we deserve like a good wage. Um, and he like synthesized like his picture. I was like, oh yeah, can you describe that picture? Like, and then he was like, yeah, like it's just like when like the stop and shop like strike happened um and it kind of reminds me of like other boycotts and he like did this like cross like historical like synthesis that like is honestly just kind of like i think we really like underestimate like children's capacity mm-hmm. to size history yeah. and also like like economic and political like systems that are are literally like the foundation of their like social lives like very early on um, and yeah, he like made this connection that the stop shop strikes were just like, like the Montgomery, like bus boycotts or the 1968, like Memphis sanitation strike. And we had a conversation about that. Mm. And then we talked about like, how that intersects with racial justice. Like, and he was like, yeah, it's not fair when like, when black workers like organize for like medical health when we understand that as like healthcare and a white boss says, no, you can't have that so workers can like get together and they can get rid of that boss. And I was like, wow, like that is like, (laughs) like, that's so like spot on, like he's so succinct. And like, it was like straight to the point. And like, he like, and he understood it from the base of his own experiences. And like, he understood himself. He was so adamant about being like, I'm like in a labor union. I'm an organizer. I I organize my friends on the playground. Like, oh my gosh. He was like, this is so cute. He was like, oh yeah, I'm in the Massachusetts Teachers Association. And his mom would cut <laughs> in and she would be like, you're you're actually, my union is the Communication Workers of America, Alex. And he was like, but I'm also in the Massachusetts Teachers Association and the Communication <laughs> Workers of America. Yes. <laughs> so we, it was so, it was so awesome. Like one of my favorite like experiences coming from like the first interviews. So yeah, that's usually how I engage with kids. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, I mean, it's so important to ask kids about their opinions. Like, mm-hmm. I know that I was a very opinionated child. Um, oh, yeah, that's like, I think, Zoe. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but kids, kids can tell if you're, like, taking them seriously or being patronizing. I think it's very important, especially if they're, like, having these thoughts to be like, yes, you're so right. Like, follow that. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. you were saying specifically when you were talking to families like you were going for the younger younger kids how did you mm-hmm. what was your decision mm-hmm. to to go for kind of the youngest yeah initially my age group was between the ages of like five and twelve um mm-hmm. like that was like my my target like category um because I thought like you know it, I was actually like what happened was I just became more and more like surprised with like the way the literature was being read because it was distributed part like part of like this whole or like my personal initiative has to like make it as accessible to local trade unions as possible so like any like donations or like base contributions like to the fund for the project like goes toward base reproduction of the prints and then making sure free copies get to trade union locals and working class organizations 
Um, so they've like the way, like, yeah. So what happened was I was just really surprised at like, I was interviewing families with kids that were younger than like five. Um, and then we were just like finding like more like creative ways to like talk about labor and then begin those conversations like in households, like with like parents that are union members, like my youngest, like interviewee was like two and a half years old. And I was like, I didn't, I went into the interview. I was like, well, I can't <laughs> like ask <laughs> questions, <laughs> but I, um, we, like, I got into, like, I had a conversation, it was, um, um, yeah, a, a two and a half year old and, like, their dad, and we, like, started to have a conversation, I was like, so, like, how, do you guys read books about, like, work, like, who works in your family, and then, like, I, like, we just started to think about the ways that we could, like, have that conversation and engage, so and then engage, um, engage her in, in the conversation, um, and they were like, well, we love, like, we love singing labor songs together. Um, so, like, there was a guitar on the wall and, like, like, oh, like, by the end of the interview, we were just, like, singing, like, like, yeah, we were just singing, like, Solidarity Forever and, like, singing labor songs together. And um, her, her dad was like, yeah, like, we have, like, we've, obviously, she doesn't understand, like, the systemic implications of this yet, but, like, being able to have these conversations and like introduce her to these like concepts and like her like being able to like call and respond to like labor songs very early on is going to like fundamentally like be like it's good it's going to be like a huge like part of her development of like her sense of the world and like her base and her like basement like the basis of her material experiences and understanding like the material experiences of like her parents, like what they do like to organize like at work and like fight in solidarity with their like coworkers uh, and engage in like labor action. Um, so yeah, like it was just like something that like organically happened. I started uh, interviewing like younger kids um, and um, I was just really surprised at the conversations I was having. Um, and I just like went from there. I like, I'm like, I, um, I've had conversations that haven't been documented or illustrated yet, like with uh, people that are grandparents with like like adult children that were interested in like interviewing in the book because I think that's like a different like well of experiences like that creates this like intergenerational arc like where all the stories like communicate with one another um, and like yeah like build like an intergenerational like arc of um experiences in the u.s labor movement because like it has changed so much in like like the past couple of years like right now in particular like in this political moment and in decades like um and in the last like century um so yeah like i've i've just been open to like a lot of different conversations and like the fluidity of the project changing mm -hmm. as like a result yeah awesome so Go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no worries. I was just making sure nobody had a follow up. Um, one thing I, I wanted to ask was about the book itself, like about mm -hmm. how it's been received by parents and children and whether clearly like kids get it when you're talking to them. Do they get mm -hmm. it, you know, when they're when they're interacting mm -hmm. with your book? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. This like, I like, it's like, it's so funny. Like I like find myself beaming like about it because like, oh. I just, like, think about, like, some of the kids that I've, like, 
when I first wrote it, I was like, I don't, I've never written a children's book before. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how this is going to be received. And honestly, my most critical audience are the, are the kids that are going to read it because like <laughs> this could be something <laughs> that they remember like from their youth, like that taught them about like, workers and workplace struggle I was like oh well do I have like the storytelling capacity and like in visual like like the ability to like tackle visual metaphors like that I don't know I'm just like kind of winging it like it's not because I've like was winging it it's just like I I had been organizing for years and organizing with working class families and like was having conversations for so long like that were like why doesn't something like this a pl- like a politically agitational literature geared towards kids um, that like relates to them like on like on their level, but also engages them with like really big like systemic concepts like because like uh, yeah like I like I was saying like their systems that shape our lives fundamentally like we're totally immersed in them like um, so yeah um, um, yeah writing the Wow, I forgot your question because I just veered off. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Could you repeat the you answered it? The question yeah. was like, "Do kids seem to get it, and how is it received by parents and children?" So I think you totally did answer it. Yeah, I oh, I just remembered there was one like one thing that came to mind when you brought up that question. Um, it's why like I like totally went down the mine hole. Um, <laughs> I I uh, I used to babysit on the weekends like I babysat a four-year-old and it was just like after I had published the book and I started distributing it to like trade union locals and um critically like parents and kids who were part of like the who interviewed had like a, a direct like um hand in revisions so we would constantly go back and forth revisions so like each likeness and story was like to like the family's like liking. Um, so yeah, when I first published it, I was like babysitting every weekend at, like a four-year-old and um, his like, his mom like worked like at like, um, like uh, JCPenney and I like, we would go to the mall together and I remember reading him my book and he was just so like giddy. He was so excited like when I read it to him, I was like, oh, this is cool, all right. Like, um, I like I really liked the way that he reacted to it. I was like, okay, maybe maybe I got a shot here. Maybe I can communicate with kids like <laughs> like through this book. And then like months months later, like the primaries had started. Like Bernie was like on like TV more than ever. And then my like my four year old that I was babysitting on the weekends. Like this was literally like two months ago. Like he comes into like my like he comes into my house and he's like, Lex. I saw Bernie on the TV last night and oh I was like, God. Oh my God, I love him. He fights for workers like your mom and like your grandma and your grandpa. He was like, yeah, yeah. He fights for workers like my mom. And it's just like that robot book. And I was like, what robot book? <laughs> like, what robot book? And then I remembered like I, um, when I had read him, like my book, I told him about, about um, Marty, the stop and shop robot. Mm. Um, yeah, oh. like 
and like like how like these like cleaning equipment were like replacing workers jobs and that wasn't fair and like that's what like these workers are like fighting about and like when he didn't like know what the stop and shop strikes were i would like plug in like where his mom worked like so like he had a way of like relating Mm. like to stories that were being told like I like would talk about like target workers going on strike because we would go to target like sometimes on the weekends and like read like books and like the children's section. And he was like, yeah, like Bernie, like Bernie, like fights for workers just like in that robot book. Like that, like, and I was like, Mm. the robot book, like he literally made this thread between his, like his mom's experiences in the workplace, Bernie, like Bernie's campaign like and like and which was unprecedented unprecedented in a lot of ways just by the way that he engaged like labor um and union recognition it was overall like working class people and then my book and i was like wow like okay like yeah that's like so cool like to see like and he's four years old that is so young like yeah. that's so young to be making like that like those like threads and synthesizing that and I was just like in awe. So yeah, sorry. Yes, that was the thing that I was thinking about earlier. No, sorry. <laughs> we don't allow it. Um, that's amazing. Um, I've worked with all age groups from like newborns to elderly. Um, I used to babysit. Mm-hmm. I've worked in daycares. Um, I mostly have experience working with teens though. Um, <clears throat> it's been deeply rewarding, especially when it comes to teaching leftist things. Um mm-hmm. And you've touched on this a little bit, but, like, what is your opinion on the trust we give young people with information or Mm -hmm. the lack thereof in the current society? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I feel like this, this current, like, political moment, like, shows us, like, what um, access to public knowledge, like, or the lack thereof, like, Mm -hmm. really, really does for people, makes them feel more, I mean, like, obviously, historically marginalized folks have, like, experienced, like, the sort of systemic limitations, like, that were, that, like, a lot of people are experiencing now, but, like, for centuries, like, before now, this, like, moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, the problem for, like, young people is, like, they're like denied like the access to knowledge and like that knowledge is like a toolkit for understanding like historical reality, their ability to shape like historical processes and engage in social change. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and recognizing that like political education is like part of that like toolkit. So like, um, obviously like we have like a lot of distrust towards like yeah, even, like, people that we expect, like, young people that we expect to, like, you know, enter the world at, like, 18, like, go into, like, thousands of dollars worth of debt, um, and, like, experience, like, the hard reality of, like, um, you know, engaging in, like, the workforce, um, but also deny them that access to knowledge and the ability to, like, understand, like, the way those systems why the like why do those systems exist to begin with like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like why does my positionality in that system exist to begin with um yeah and I guess like yeah yes did you did you tell us what your major is I'm sorry if I miss this yeah so at Hampshire (laughs) we have no majors um that's so fun (laughs) 
Yes. So my my like uh, I studied comparative working class history wow. throughout my undergrad, and then this project was part of my independent research project for my senior thesis. So okay, yeah, I studied his. Yeah, yeah, historical materialist perspectives in children's literature. Okay, first of all, that's, that's incredible. Awesome. But I, <laughs> I just wanted to say also, like, you know, when I I was a PhD student um, and had a teaching assistantship and worked with undergraduates as well, and I think that there's something that, like, even professors have this, like, very – I mean, like, some undergraduates are shitheads. I will not <laughs> – I'm not lie. Yeah. We we've all experienced them. Um but like the folks who are very passionate and interested in things like yourself like um you know I think that you college is a time when we're given access to information and I even think like you creating mm-hmm. this book is its own like self fulfilling prophecy in some ways of like mm-hmm. a uh you know we all on this call could be considered young by certain standards um <laughs> you know may, maybe me me less so than the rest I don't know but um I think that it's you're still young thank you I just had my 30th birthday so I'm having feelings about it but um you're still young don't worry thanks. you don't like a a day over. Thank you. Anything. Yeah, all, all <laughs> the teens that I worked with are like literally in shock that I turned thirty. They're like, wait. <laughs> They're like, I don't understand. You act like you're twenty, and I'm like, exactly. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you know, you had your own initiative. You had access to this information. You got information about like historical materialism and really felt motivated to make this project and I think like you getting the information and having the like drive to share that information with others like is its own like amplifying feedback loop it's really cool to see I don't know it's not really a question I just wanted to say that (laughs) yeah yeah no thank you yeah (laughs) I yeah I I mean yeah so I feel like Hampshire or like institutions like Hampshire can be unique um, in a lot of ways um, for, I guess, students to like do like independent projects that are like maybe countercurrent or at least, or at least in a lot of ways. And like a, a lot of my experience, people believing they're like countercurrents or like countercultural and like actually uphold like the same like power structures. Um, but yeah, like I, oh, like I, also, like, when I, like, started this book, I was like, oh, well, I really wasn't exposed to, like, any, like, books about, like, working class people like my parents either when I was a kid. And I, like, really had to sit down and spend a lot of time at children's libraries um, mm-hmm. doodling and, like, thinking about, like, my exposure to depictions of, like, working class people, like, in my, like, in my, like, childhood and adolescence and I was like that was minimal like that were like good like depictions like that like empowered like workers or like place them like in like a like a powerful and like leveraging position like against like their employer or like in their lives or like not like just like in immutably confined to like economic desperation and like hierarchy and I was like well like I yeah and I started this and I was like we're like where like books that also like critically like engage like 
those like workers and like their children in the process of like making like making those books like and like telling their own stories because I just feel like I I loved illustrating the book but in a lot of ways I view myself as like a facilitator Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. I wanted to like help and like leverage resources to like like document stories like especially after like in the in the like in the like high of like the stop and shop strike there was like a, like it was like um a palpable sort of like sense of solidarity like in the community and like and then more broadly and then there's there seemed to be like little like bursts of like labor action like throughout new england and like all over the place after the fact um and i just like wanted to like help people like document their experiences and like i know like alicia or i like has told me like since this book was published um, she's Alex's mom in the first story. Um, she, uh, I was told that she's like so grateful that something like this exists because she like always like um, thought about the ways that she would document this like really critical period of Alex's life and like that he's always been like really integrated into the movement and like movement politics since he was very young, but like had like a Google drive full of photos and like pictures of them at rallies together and like him speaking at rallies. Um, and, um, she was like, I now like have something that like places him in history mm-hmm. and like, it's something that he can look like, like look at concretely and like see himself like being a part of like, like the labor movement, like, and like fighting along like workers, like his like mom and like people that he was like surrounded by, like when he was really young and like, that it's like a really like really I don't know like like that she's grateful that like other like working moms can like look at this and like like and like read this with their kids and like they can see themselves like and like these stories yeah Yeah. for sure yeah that's awesome um my dad was a union organizer for a long time and honestly I feel like I would have loved for someone to come interview me about it when I was like five but yeah I wanted to talk a little about the semantics of the book I really liked your decision to make it fully bilingual versus like I feel Mm -hmm. like most books that I see in multiple languages have, like, separate versions um, Mm -hmm. instead of all one. Like, I thought the, like, illustrations of Strikes where they had, like, signs in different languages was really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And then at the end, you put a note about how you were using, like, a more gender-inclusive Spanish, which, regrettably, my Spanish is very basic. But I do understand, like, there's a lot more, like, gendering of um, kind of all nouns and stuff like that. So could you explain a little bit more, like, what um, a gender-inclusive Spanish kind of looks like? Mm-hmm. So I worked with a, a storybook translator on this project, Melody Gonzalez. Mm. Um, and I, like, I thought, like, this something like this couldn't exist without it being like accessible in multiple languages. So um, we like initially like, like thought about producing like a second Spanish language edition, but I just felt like it would have been like much more accessible to have it. Like, first of all, there's like, like um, the ability for like both kids to learn like English and Spanish, like while reading the book, like is 
really important. And that's why like, that's why like all of like the illustrative depictions are also like bilingual. Um, uh, yeah, I thought that was like a pretty like important element. And like, obviously like, oh, like a lot of like families here, like bilingual families, like working class families that are like engaged in like the local labor movement. Um, and yeah, um, we like decided that we wanted to, um, yeah, we used, we used, um, we used like traditional like plural endings. Mm. Um, but we wanted to add like a note, like saying that we like, this wasn't to like, you know, stick to like a binary, like, like version of like language or like binary, like Spanish language, like edition of the book. Um, and we wanted to be cognizant of that when we were like putting like both languages, like, um, on, like on the pages. One of the things that I struggle with when I work with young people is like understanding how impressionable they are and how easily influenced they are and taking that seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, but also Mm -hmm. feeling strongly about the information being shared. So like, you know, obviously we've spent the majority of this conversation understanding the importance of these conversations as well as like understanding the importance of like uplifting young people's ability to hold this information. Um, when I think about climate change in particular, it can be like really overwhelming to young people. Um, when I work with teens, uh, and we do a lot of climate change work, they get really angry that I'm the first adult in their life talking to them about climate change. And these are all like public school teens in New York state. Um, Mm -hmm. and so like my question, I guess is, and this can be kind of more open-ended because I think we all might have opinions on it, but I don't know. Um, How can we share, how can we continue to share important information that's going to affect young people for longer than it will affect us while trying to support Mm -hmm. them from the deep existential crisis um, Mm -hmm. that will inevitably Mm -hmm. come for them uh, if it has not already come for them? Um, (laughs) You know, I yeah. I guess like a pop culture reference of it is like in the in the second season of Big Little Lies, if y'all have watched it at all, it's like the one second grader has like a panic attack in her oh, classroom yeah. for like learning about sustainability yeah. and she's so overwhelmed. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Laura Dern's daughter, right? Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's like an oh maybe possibly an over exaggeration. Maybe that's happened to some young people, but I I I do know, you know, like for for the teens that I work with, it's like it's like okay, well then like they get really interested in voting, and then I'm like, well, let's talk about money and politics. Like I feel like you have to, right. like, it's like you almost are like building and building with information for them because. A lot of the young people I work with are immigrants and refugees also. So they kind of have this narrative Mm -hmm. of like the United States as being um, Mm -hmm. not only like what was meant to be a safe place from like the violence that they fled in their home country, but Mm -hmm. also like the disappointment that they have felt with their families, particularly economically in a new place. So I just think there's a lot. Anyway, that's maybe too much information to put in, but Mm I... I do, I'm interested in your opinion because obviously like we all are on the same page about it being important to share this information, but then there's also this like, 
Mm -hmm. feeling of responsibility of how impressionable young people are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally. I feel like, um, yeah, that's why I was so interested in like seeking out literature that like dealt with a labor historical record and like workers depictions, because I think this is like the, 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 uh, groups of kids that I interviewed and I w- decided to work with like and as they got younger and younger I realized like this is like a critical entry point like for political like politicizing like children mm-hmm. um it's a very obviously yeah it's a, like a very malleable and like an impressionable period and like there is like the there's a right-wing agitational literature and like a normative like story that's told about like the way that our, our world operates. So like, why can't there be a left like countercurrent to that? Like there's mm-hmm. a, like, there's a level of like social, con- like there is a normative social conditioning that happens. Now it's like a, a, a job. It's part of like the, like the fight, like the left's fight in order to produce like, educational projects and like literature and like programs that like that counter that narrative for one thing like poke holes in it like and um engage kids as historical actors and allow them to like poke holes themselves in like those systems um and you know be part of like produce like producing political education that's Mm -hmm. like based in like their experiences, their day-to-day experiences, and experiencing the contradictions, like, in their day-to-day experiences, the way that they're learning about the world, like, and the way, like, it is normatively, like, described to them. Like, kids and, like, young adults, like, are constantly, like, told that their opinions don't matter, Mm -hmm. like, um, but they're, like, historically marginalized folks, like, black and brown, like, like, kids, like, are also, like, expected to, like, grow up earlier, like, yeah. in, in the United States, like, they're, like, in constantly, like, like, being, like, pressured or, like, within, like, this, like, contradiction of, like, being infantilized mm-hmm. and, like, being told, like, they don't understand their own material experiences and how they relate to, like, power structures that create obstacles for them and their families, but also, like, told they should be, like, tried as adults or treated yeah. like adults, yes. like, in those very same institutions. So, yeah, I think, like, that's, like, the way that I think about, like, left political education is, like, it is, like, it is like constantly like we're embroiled in a fight with that, like the, yeah, the normative like narrative that's being told. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think about it also as like, I was raised in a deeply conservative Catholic household and I had to like way unlearn a lot of shit for a long time. And like the people in my life, my namely my parents, uh, you know, didn't didn't really take seriously the gravity of like the harm from that. And I think while I think learning about climate change can be a really liberating experience, I, I'm not trying to compare the two because one is deeply uh, entrenched in both patriarchy and capitalism and like f- just like white supremacist bullshit. Um yeah. And one is like an understanding of uh, how an understanding of um, 
how all of our oppressions can like be woven together, uh, even, even through their different, um, strands, mm-hmm. you know, how our different experiences mm-hmm. can be different, but also how it can be woven together into like a collective struggle. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just, yeah. So I appreciate, I appreciate your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I mean, I think it's important to be honest with kids. Like, I mean, not brutally honest and give them panic attacks, but like not teach them false information. Like you were saying, Laura, with like the teens getting mad. I remember a roommate that I had in college who they had been raised like very sheltered going to like private Catholic (laughs) school their whole life and were taking um, some like history class about like race in the U.S., And obviously found out that, like, everything they had been taught their whole life was a lie and had, like, a huge meltdown and was, like, throwing textbooks. Mm -hmm. And it was a whole fucking thing that I was reminded of the other day. Um, Yeah. This was, like, on my mind. But, yeah, like, I don't think it's healthy to, like, give kids this, like, peachy history either where then they learn that that's wrong and get mad. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, my... Yeah, my parents always wanted to be super honest. My mom didn't want to tell me about, like, Santa or anything like that because she was like, I don't want my kids to, like, think I was lying to them about something. Mm. Right. I think the yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think the problem with just, like, exposing, like, young people to, like, these, like, very heavy, like, existential realities is that, like, they're also not given a tool, like, they don't, they don't understand that, like, they are in the position to enact change either, like or like they're not given like the tools or like the understanding from like a very early age like that they can like be a part of institutional change like they could like they they don't necessarily have to go to college they can like Mm -hmm. they can uh, like go into a rank and file like profession or like go into a rank and file job and like unionize their shop like that's not something that like they're they they're told they they're told to go like into college and like participate in the job market like the rest of us even though like there aren't like yeah it's just like not like a feasible economic reality for like everybody right Mm -hmm. like and to be like told those things like when like especially later on like often like I feel like people are introduced like to those concepts like climate change like in high school and then like yeah like imagine being a person that feels lied to like their entire life like in the public yeah. education system has been failed so many times in public education especially like if you're low income especially if you're like a person of color like and then like there are like other systems that you don't even know about that are entwined like in like something that you've always known has been unjust um but you're not yeah. told how to confront those institutions or confront like the political actors that are responsible for perpetuating those institutions. Exactly. Amazing. Well, we are coming up on time, but I did have a last question for you, which that was a great transition talking about teaching kids, because I know we talked a little about this via email because I was saying that Um, I have a friend who's been talking about wanting to start, like, a library of kind of, like, radical and leftist books for kids. Um, Mm -hmm. And, Lex, you were saying that you had, like, a ton of recommendations. So I wanted to ask you, like, what other tools or books or anything do you think are, like, important for helping teach kids about these things? Right. So a lot of the the books that I looked into into this project were, like, obviously other illustrated, like, 
books about labor for young kids. Um, I tried to like look for books that like had like visual metaphors that could lead into a conversation about like collectivize like collectivization, like working collectively with other people. Like there are like, but one of like the books that I really looked to for this project was um, here. I have it right here. It's um, it was Si Se Puede. Yes, we can. It's about the um, janitor strike in LA. It's illustrated by uh, Francisco Delgado and was written by Diana Cohn. Um, and it's also a bilingual storybook um, about, yes, I think the strike was in the early 2000. Um, and um, I tried to look for books that also engaged like not only contemporary union activism, but like obviously like the longer historical record. So um, there is uh, another book that I looked at, Memphis Martin and the Mountaintop, and it was about the 1968 sanitation strike. Um, and then um, I uh, did like a lot of like, a lot of my research actually this past year was um, about um, the Communist Party USA's um, um, political educational literature and their, and their youth brigades. Um, and um, uh, yeah, uh, the International Publishing House um, would produce or reprint uh, Soviet children's books uh, in the United States um, in English, um, which I thought was just like a very like cool historical thread to explore um, this like sort of cross like cultural and also like this contact between like um, obviously like the Soviet political project at the time and like sort of like the stirrings of an American communist movement in like the early like um, 1900s. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, those were the things that like I thought of, like I thought about the entire time while I was like working on this book. Um, yeah. There's obviously like, um, there's so much more that I can like talk about. Um, but, um, yeah, those were like some of like the things that I looked to for this project. Hell yeah. I also <laughs> wanted to plug the Zen education project. Um, yeah. I specifically love like their simulations. They have a bunch of simulations on there, which like right now, yeah. With digital teaching, it's pretty complicated, but um, I think you could still do it if you could get paper into students' hands. I don't know. Anyway, like, there's yeah. different ones where, like, they really make it simple for students to understand the connection between capitalism and climate change um, yeah. by, like, understanding what the profit motive does to people particularly owners of businesses when they're making decisions so yeah it's fun um they they have like all different types of things um mm -hmm. as well as teaching for tolerance is another um like teaching um curriculum site that i really appreciate and think the work that they're doing on there is really good they do a lot with like race and class um as well mm -hmm. as sexuality so um yeah i think that there's a lot of stuff out there and i think that i love to see like educators at all different levels whether it's like authors or different things like that seeing seeking out these like um leftist curriculum mm -hmm. spaces mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the my last suggestion, actually, I don't know why I forgot about this, was a, a collaborative project between the Vermont Folk Life Center and Merrick Bennett's comics workshop called Il Viaje Mascado, or The Most Costly Journey. Um, and it was a, a comic series by like a collective of like visual artists and um, migrant dairy farm workers in Vermont um, that served as like, um, kind of like, not only like a narrative storytelling project, but a project that like connected other like migrant, like dairy, like dairy farm workers to mental health resources in the state. Um, I looked like at a lot of like comics projects and I was grateful to like talk to um, Merrick Bennett about that project. Um, And it was hugely like, so like, so like, um, like vastly like influential, like in my like artistic process and like, process of writing wise while I'm striking mm-hmm. so I just wanted to plug that in there too yeah <laughs> oh yeah do you also want to tell people where to find why is mom striking yeah of course so <laughs> yeah of course so um I have a I have a blog site um it's why is mom striking dot wordpress.com um you can like I all of my contact information is on there um if you want me to mail you a copy um, you can just email me, and if you wanted to donate to the fund to make sure that free copies get to working class organizations and local trade unions, or if you um, are a union member and you want uh, free copies for your like trade union local, feel free to talk, contact me, and I'll send those out. Especially now, I'm like putting together like coloring kits um, for like families that are like out of work or like with like have like essential workers in like their household that like want extra arts activities um, and like and like crayons and like more coloring like pages. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share before we say goodbye for now? Um, no, I think I'm good. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank Thanks you. It was so nice yeah, talking to you. you. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing more come out at some point, whether it's this or something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Yay. Well, that was so much fun. Um, I'm really glad that we got to talk to them and hear all about this amazing project that they've been working on. Um, The book is really cool. Y'all should definitely check it out. And if you're in a position um, to circulate it, we definitely encourage you to do so. It's a great resource. Um, And if you're in a position to give us money, see that segue, um, (laughs) head on over to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash season of the bitch. Um, we have lots of extra content up there. Um, great for your uh, boring days in quarantine, if in fact that is what you are up to right now. Shout out to the essential workers. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And um, congrats to everybody who's really seized on their labor power. So many strikes are happening right now. It's super exciting. Um, and it's always good to get to talk about that kind of stuff on Season of the Bitch. So, yeah, like us on um itunes rate review subscribe whatever uh that helps people find us you can get in touch with us via gmail season of the bee at gmail.com we are on twitter and instagram at season of the bee um yeah it, we'd love to hear from you mm. anything else guys i think that's it all right Just, well i love you i love you i love you love you bye bye, bye. love you bye i love you bye <laughs>
Ooh. <laughs>